I want to see what that dad bot can do out there. Not buying your banjos around the campfire. Shove them up your ass. Welcome into Football Under the F-Words. My name is Zach Lynch. You can follow me on Twitter at F-Words Pod. And today we have of paulkaharski.com, which is really weird to say, Michael Herndon. You may know him and follow him on Twitter at Mike Miracles. Mike, um, you, you are now with paulkaharski.com. You'll do a Wednesday, I guess Wednesday every week, a article. Yeah, weekly uh, Wednesday column, largely going to be, you know, getting into you know, kind of my normal, my normal uh, bag of tricks, you know, it, with some analytics, numbers, deep dives, uh, some, some film stuff every now and then in there too. So um, yeah. So the stuff that you're used to seeing from me, but uh, yeah, once a week and I'll Don't I'm put that film stuff be, behind a paywall. Don't put that <laughs> film stuff behind a paywall. <laughs> I'm generally going to be getting into, uh, uh, you know, deeper dive kind of stuff. Uh, the stuff that I like to get into. Do you, uh, do you have a title for the column yet? Is it like Herndon's Corner or something? <laughs> no, nothing yet. I, I don't know if uh, if Paul's gonna gonna give it a uh, a label or not like that. But uh, right now, no. Well, while I am happy for you, I do have one bone to pick about this announcement. It says that you're one of the more underplayed writers <laughs> or analysts in the market. That's a b- bunch of bullshit. Everybody knows who you are that's in the Titans market, and everybody craves your content. Lo- hated that you're left the show. You have over 10,000 followers, right? Uh, 20,000. Yeah. I'm over yeah. 20,000. Over 20,000 followers. Underplayed my ass. Did you write that, or did, the P- did PK did pull that not. out of his ass? I did not. The only, the only parts that I wrote on that release were just the parts that he quoted quoted directly to me. What an utterly ridiculous thing to say. <laughs> Underplayed. Okay. Hey. PK's You're gotten, the best writer in the Titans in the, in the Titans hemisphere, uh, uh, I guess you could call it. I mean, there's uh, nobody that's better at what you do than you. It's very nice of you to say. I really appreciate it. But uh, you know, PK's got he's got 99,000 followers, so he's got a big old platform. Yeah, I mean, there, like you know, underplayed is like uh, um, I don't know, like Trajan Watkins when he writes something. That's an underplayed writer because I mean, he's a good writer and his, his stuff doesn't fair. get a lot of traction. That's fair. Uh, your stuff is uh, pretty well known. That you are yeah. a very popular person. Uh, in tw- on Twitter at least. Yeah. on Twitter. Yeah. Probably on Facebook. We don't know. We don't muck around those <laughs> no stores. There's a, there's yeah. enough going on in Twitter as it is. Uh, but you got your big announcement. F football and other F words uh, is coming to the end of its host search. Uh, so we will be having, and this is not to announce that Mike is going to be the co-host. Um, <laughs> But I was like, uh, is this a surprise for me? You're hired. (laughs) Uh, We talked to Paul and we we have traded away. uh, He's traded you away already. Damn, the old sign and trade. The old sign and trade. Um, No, but we do have some exciting things coming for you on 440 Sports, on a football show, and particularly on Football Under the F Word. So the, 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 the horizons on the way is that the, is that a saying it's, it's mm, not a saying i just made I don't it no it is now it is now <laughs> uh speaking of the horizon being on the way it's training camp time and um it's been a largely positive training camp after what i would deem the covid era and then also the everybody's injured era of titans training camp 
overly positive. It seems like there's very few things that are just like, man, this team sucks. I don't even think anybody's really even said this team sucks. What has been from OTAs to training camp, what do you think has been the biggest improvement? And why is it that it is it that it's trailing Burks losing 1300 pounds? Yeah, it's it's Trey Ningkamp, buddy. Um, <laughs> I like it. It is all about Traylon Burks. Okay, I'm gonna make uh, that the podcast episode. Please do, please do. Copyright. Uh, but yeah, Traylon Burks looking all every bit the part of like a, a top wide receiver prospect in camp so far. By all reports, you know he came in in shape after the the OTA. You know asthma gate. You know fat fat Burks gate. I like that people still don't believe that it was it was asthma related. There are still people that are tweeting out there in the media world that think that it's it's not that it's not asthma related. That it was all strictly that he's a fat piece of shit. Now, they I, I didn't say it, fat piece of shit. I I ad libbed for them. <laughs> I think it's it probably likely is that he probably wasn't in the best shape, and that was exacerbating. Uh, his allergy issues and exactly it can be both but yeah I think it's a combined thing that you know there probably is something to the fact that like one that was legitimately one of the worst uh, allergen seasons that I've experienced in living here for like the better part of 30 I don't even know how old I am 37 years whatever I am Uh, this is one of the worst allergy seasons I can remember because it was just so dry and it was just pollen everywhere um, during that time period. So I, I think that's probably part of it. Uh, him not having his, his, you know, doing his inhaler before practice or whatever. I guess he said that was something he changed, maybe part of it. And he probably was a little bit out of shape. We, you know, we know that he's had some issues with that in the past, but who cares? It's not a problem now. We're what, five, four or five practices into training camp. He's been full. He hasn't missed one. And that was the thing that we had talked about. uh, And you also talked about with uh, Justin Graver on Music City Audible and Justin Mello was that the concern should be coming in sometime training camp if there is warranted concern, major concern. And so far, knock on wood, this guy's killing training camp every damn day. Yeah. And he's looking good doing it. He's not just out there making it through all the drills. I mean, he looks good. He's, Yes, just from the clips you're able to see, he's so big and so physical. Um, and he's just he's everything that you kind of hoped he would be uh to this point, based on all all the reports that we've heard, everybody that we've talked to that's been out there. Uh, even the reports the from uh, John Glennon online. that got deleted today. That's right. <laughs> that's right. He he let out a few too many state secrets in that one. Uh this disc. But yeah, so it, it does sound like there's some interesting usage going on with uh, with Traylon Burks in the offense, which is exciting to hear about, uh, which I mean, frankly, he did at Arkansas. Like if you look at the way that they use him at Arkansas, I mean, I, it would be a mistake for the Titans not to consider doing some of that stuff with him, given how productive he is with the ball in his hand. So that's all very exciting. And, and just Burks being a 6'3", 225 monster um, who seems to catch everything thrown his way is, is it's exciting. It's exciting to hear good things about him because I mean, you know, it could have gone a different way. Well, it, you know, we've talked about the addition of Tim Kelly, how it's been one of the more, I think it's, it's just like Jim Schwartz. Everybody forgets that Jim Schwartz was, you know, picked up in the off season last year and everybody kind of forgets about it when they're talking about this stuff. 
but you can definitely start seeing Tim Kelly's influence and in how they're deploying Burks similarly to how they kind of deployed Brandon Cooks when he first got over to Houston. Uh, Lo, um, Lomas brought that up at TitansWire.com, quote tweeting the aforementioned uh, deleted tweet from John Glennon, the uh, confidential uh, tweet. <laughs> but that makes you excited that there's some creativity coming, right? You you see that they are targeting the running backs a little bit more with probably better success with uh, Dontrell Hilliard and Hassan Haskins both getting targeted. You see that, you know, Ryan Tannehill trusts everybody that is on the field. I think that's one of the big, my biggest takeaways from training camp so far is that there is just a certain confidence coming from Ryan Tannehill right now. And maybe it's a little bit of a mix of I'm going to prove you, prove you guys wrong, a little chip on the shoulder. But I think there's just so much more confidence with the pass catchers. And that what's crazy is that they're all new pass catchers and not a Hall of Famer among them. You could just tell that his connection with these guys is much better than what he had for Julio Jones before even Julio Jones went injured. And again, that's part of the problem was a lot of injuries last year. But he's also paying attention to what's going down between Logan Woodside and Kyle Phillips and Malik Willis and Kyle Phillips. But having Chigo Konku out there and being able to be and rely on him and him being one of Tannehill's favorite targets. I mean, there's not a day that goes by that he probably doesn't pass to him at least two or three times a day, and they're all completions. That's a huge thing for this Titans offense. Yeah, it's it's kind of incredible, you know. Really, if and and I, it, this is a little bit of the shiny new object uh, fascination that's going to happen with the, any group of rookies coming in. But if you picked like the five players who have been getting the most positive reviews from Titans training camp so far, would it not be like Traylon Burks, Roger McCreary, and Chickaquanquo? Like, oh yeah, top three, and, and then and Kyle Phillips is right rookies. there. Yeah, Kyle Phillips isn't far off. So. That group right there, all those rookies coming in, it's extremely encouraging to hear all those positive reports, obviously. But, yeah, I mean, Tannehill, and and I know we kind of make fun of this, so, you know, I, I, you take it with a little bit of a grain of salt, but Jim Wyatt has been doing the, uh, you know, completion tracker for, for Tannehill on, uh, like, in seven-on-sevens and team periods over the first few days of camp. And I think the first day Tannehill was like 14 of 14. I think he, he was perfect the first day. And then, you know, he was like uh, 12 of 14 the next day or something. And so even going into the padded practice, I think his completion rate has been like super high. Um, and it sounds like he's been really sharp. And like you said, for him to be really sharp with so many new faces that are just learning the offense, uh, you know, among his, his top options, because you are hearing – yeah, you're hearing a lot of Traylon Burks catching passes from Ryan Tano. You're hearing a lot of Chigakonkwo catching passes from Ryan Tano, which means they're working high up in the rotation. Um, and those guys are already earning more opportunities. And, and yeah, it, there's a real chance that you look out there, you know, week one, and you've got both those guys being a big part of the offense. And, and help, help maybe Kyle Phillips gets some third down work too. I mean, I, I think all those guys could be impact contributors right out of the shoot, which is – exciting uh, a little bit nerve-wracking just because you know relying on that many rookies can be troublesome you know or, or or maybe you know not always the greatest thing but hey rookies pop sometimes and it sounds like the titans have uh at least three guys right there that they're really excited about uh among the pass catchers and we're recording this on monday but so today on the football show that was on monday 
we, me and Braden had talked about the fact that you, you, you haven't really seen 2019 Ryan Tannehill have an off season, right? Like you had COVID heading into 2020 and 2021, everybody was injured. So this Ryan Tannehill that we're seeing is really the first time that the public is laying eyes on it because in heading into 2019, everybody saw Marcus, right? Is the all eyes were on Marcus. So you're seeing a Ryan Tannehill that we haven't seen, which kind of makes me feel like the 2019 draft class, 2019 Ryan Tannehill that we're seeing duplicated in 2022 Ryan Tannehill and 2022 draft class. That's kind of what I feel like. Even if he's just going to be 2020 Ryan Tannehill, that's light years better than 2021 Ryan Tannehill, who had to overcome, I likened it today, basically you had to make a pie chart of everything that went wrong with Ryan Tannehill and who's to blame and all this stuff, including himself. It would be like, you know, 5% slices all the way around equally. Like there is so much that contributed to Ryan Tannehill's poor play, including himself that it's just crazy that this team went 12 and five. And we've talked about this numerous times. And I, I, I think about how last year started off, not to say that training camp is 100% indicative of what's going to happen in the regular season, but there were signs last year that carried over of signs of distress or that this offense wasn't going to click starting in the off season that carried over into the regular season. And Mike Vrabel, this team and the staff have always preached about stacking days on top of each other. And right now you're seeing the correct people stack days on offense that need to be stacking them to gain confidence heading into the regular season, which should, because practice should translate to game stuff, should translate into on-field success for this Tennessee Titans offense. I am really looking forward to what they do against the Cardinals and against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah, the, the joint practices to me are always like the most fascinating because you, you do kind of get into this. Um, I think it's it's in Mitchell Shorts talked about this on uh, the athletic football podcast. Um, I think it may, might, may have come out today or yesterday, but uh, it was the most recent one that's on the feed right now. Um, but he talked about how you know, a lot of times in training camp, you're going, you're going against a defense that, you know, you're going against, uh, you know, players that you're, you start to, you know, face every day, you know, so like Traylon Burks is matching up with Roger McCreary every day. Um, they're getting a lot of reps against each other. And by the middle of camp, you're probably going to be pretty familiar with that guy's skill set, what you can beat him with, what you can't beat him with. Um, but then once you throw in these, other guys that are not playing a familiar defense that are not necessarily still in the install period for like offensive and defensive scheme. I think you start to get a lot more real. Um, you get a lot more real evaluation opportunities of, you know, Hey, what's this guy doing uh, in these settings? And of course, measuring yourself up against like, especially the bucks with their skill talent and everything is, is going to be, a really good measuring stick for, for the Titans. And like you said last year, yeah, I, I think camp, while the narratives can be overblown at times, they, they do matter because the defense for the Titans they started to kind of like build last year in training camp. The kind of the consistent drumbeat in camp was, man, this defense looks a lot better, especially up front. 
Like they were getting a lot of penetration. They were really hard to run against, uh, you know, in, in camp. And, you know, you always wonder, well, how much of that is, you know, it's, it's camp. It's not tackling to the ground, whatever. Well, it turns out the defense was a lot better, especially up front. And uh, that is, that was a real takeaway um, from training camp last year. So, and it translated very much into the regular season. So I, I think it's going to be interesting to see how much carryover there is, but it, it's exciting returns from the offense, especially right now. Um, and, and we'll see kind of how the defense evolves as we go to. Yeah. And to speak on the defense and I think uh, things to think about when you are going to see reports of certain things happening, the defensive lines that the Cardinals and the Tampa Bay and the Titans all have are pretty good defensive lines, right? This offense, we have all known, it takes time to gel, has question marks at two important spots. I wouldn't push the panic button too much if you hear of defenders being in the backfield because that's what you're supposed to hear. It's, it's a weaker unit versus two, one of the more stronger units on a defense currently on some of these teams. And so I would say don't overreact. And I would think that the wide receiver, cornerback, one-on-one battles, these defensive back battles, I think there's going to be days that the defense wins and days that the offense wins. And I think that's good because, again, you want both teams to be competitive in actual games. And I think this is one of those iron sharpened iron kind of deals. Yeah. And, and I think a lot of that, you know, it's like, it's kind of a zero sum game, right? Like, so the offense, when you're practicing against yourself, if the offense looks great, everyone goes, well, what's wrong with the defense and, and vice versa. But um, I think you can take certain things away. Like you want to see guys just like you said, competing, um, you know, not necessarily a guy just being wide open every play, but, you know, running a good route, making a contested catch against good coverage, you know, like you like to see that kind of stuff. And, and there's some stuff that just jumps out to you. Like Traylon Burks, for example, you see these clips, the, the dude just looks the part to me. Like he, the way, and, and it's kind of a, a show joke, but like the size of this guy's hands <laughs> is just absurd. Like every time I see him and there's a picture of him holding a ball, I'm like, where like did they get a children's football into camp or like what happened here because the guy has like these gigantic paws but then he uses them to catch the football like and i brought up the whole like nuke hopkins thing and that's really kind of like where i see that uh comparison coming in is like nuke hopkins obviously famous for his gigantic hands making contested catches that's something Traylon burks lived off of at arkansas too um and obviously he does have the the huge hands but also like the physicality that he's running these routes with. And, and I know Vrabel mentioned like the two hand shoves, uh, you know, are going to be OPIs. Well, that, that probably is true more often than not. You're going to need to be like a little bit more subtle with it than he has been on a few of these routes. But a lot of times you're going to get away with a little shove at the top of your route, because if you look at the numbers, I, I think I uh, uh, pulled up NFLpenalties.com the other day and there, there was like 0.2, OPI calls per NFL game last year. Um, it's just, it, it rarely gets called. Um, and, you know, honestly, if I'm the Titans, I don't want to rein that in too much because I'll let him push off, you know, throughout a game. If he's going to be called for it once every three or four games and he can create big separation with it and get away with it most of the other times, 
I'm good with that trade-off. Like I'm totally good giving up 10 yards every now and then for a big separation play over the middle um, where he could potentially turn it into a touchdown or a big explosive play. I mean, that's a fair trade uh, to me. So I, I think, I think Burks just is probably the brightest uh, part of camp so far to me. It, just the way he looks, just, it, just the eye test more so than anything else on the, and just looking at these videos, I haven't even seen him in person yet. It is clear to me that like he is that dude. Well, let's talk about someone who's not having the best of camp and that's Malik Willis. And we, we said on a football show today when we were talking about this was to be expected, right? I mean, this is exactly what we all expected what happened with Malik Willis. And you have to talk about what Malik Willis is doing in camp but let's not turn him into a martyr like Mariota was in the sense that you can't say any kind of slight critique without someone accusing you of A, being racist, or B, just being a hater. Let, let's just be – If you, I think if there's also a way to present the information. It's like A to Z today talked about the pick six interception with Shakira Brown and said that it was the, uh, the first one at camp, first interception at camp. And this is what happened, but they didn't ever mention that Brandon Lewis fell, which is a huge part of that whole play. So I think that it's on the fans not to overreact, but it's also on the media to make sure that you're presenting the full story and the information. Yeah. And I mean, you got to keep in mind that if you look back and again, like I, it's just top of mind because I was listening to it this morning, but the athletic football show, they asked Mitchell Schwartz about, uh, his experience with Patrick Mahomes in his first camp. And he said, you know, how, how was that? Was he just great from the start? And he said, no, I mean, there was articles written and I've got one up right now saying seven interceptions. And that is uh, the number of interceptions he had thrown by August 1st, oh uh, which is t- today uh, in training camp. And this was his second year. Uh, his first as a, a starter in uh, 2018 So, and he had the same thing his rookie year. So it is certainly not unusual to see a guy struggle early in training camp, a young quarterback. And and you got to think about it, like from a mental physical standpoint, like not only are the Titans, like clearly refining his mechanics, like, which, you know, there's been some stuff out there about that. Like I pointed out, like he just looks uncomfortable rolling to his left. Like I, you know, you compare it to you put it next to Woodside and you put it next to Tannehill running the same drill. It it is clearly different. Um, and that's not to say that all quarterbacks have to throw it the same way, but it just looks awkward and uncomfortable from for Willis rolling to his left. So I think yeah. they're working on some stuff like that, which is not the end of the world, but that's what this is for. Right. Um if if you thought that Malik Willis and and you you have been a big proponent of this as well. If you thought that this team was not going to carry three quarterbacks, I think you're being delusional and you didn't watch Malik Willis football in college. Now, listen, he played at Liberty, so I wouldn't blame you for not watching Malik Willis football in college. But there are people who say that, oh, you know, it will automatically translate and everything. And in the end, the NFL knew that a lot of these quarterbacks, they weren't worthy of a first round pick. They were talked up as first round picks, but in the end, the NFL told you that, Hey, we're going to pass on these quarterbacks two to three times on average before they actually get drafted. And he's a third round quarterback. Now, 
his expectations should definitely be higher than Cole McDonald and Luke Falk, who are also drafted quarterbacks. But you have to be realistic about why he's not ready. And the reason why he's not ready is because he is not used to a pro-style offense. This is his first time in a pro-style offense. Liberty catered and tailored an offense specifically to hide his deficiencies, like rolling out to the left. And when that happens, then you're you're going to be a little bit far behind. I have full faith. I do think Malik Willis has the drive, the leadership, the talent, the mental uh, acuity to take the step to be a Titan starting quarterback of the future. But I do think it could take a year. It may be two years if you want to be honest with yourself. But that's okay because he's a third-round pick. And if he doesn't turn out to be nothing more than Jacoby Brissett and he's a backup for the rest of his life, guess what? That's okay, too, because guess what? He's a third-round pick. Exactly. And, and yeah, he listened to reports coming out of Niners camp about Trey Lance and, and his struggles. Again, this is not abnormal. This is not a time to pay press the panic button on Malik and I'm with you. I think everything that we've learned about Malik Willis's character, his work ethic, his uh, drive and, and intention to be successful gives me more and more confidence that he is going to find a way to at least have, like you said, the Jacoby Brissett career, you know, as a, as a backup, I think he's going to work his way into at minimum a backup role, which would, would justify a third round pick for a quarterback. And if he turns out to be more than that, which he certainly has the physical uh, ability to do so, then that's great. That's a, that's a lottery that's cashing in a mega millions lottery ticket. If he turns out to be your long-term starter that you found at pick 86. So I, I think have patience with him. It's not going to look perfect right away. He may, you know, he might have preseason's a, a probably going to be pre-season. ugly. Yeah, yeah, it, but possible. it'll be a little exciting here and there. It's going to have think, some good throws. I think it'll we were robbed of Cole exciting. McDonald preseason, but I know. we will not be robbed of a Malik Willis preseason. That's right. I, I am one hundred percent here for watching all of this preseason, and a big part of the reason is Malik Willis is going to make it really fun, um, and, and good or bad. I mean, it, it's just going to be fun to watch him. So. I think, uh, yeah, don't overreact to anything. They need to work on his mechanics. And, and just think of, like, the mental tax that is being placed on him right now as he's, wor- he's trying to learn a new offense. He's trying to ner- learn new players. He's doing all of this with, with you know, a limited amount of reps. Um, and he's got a lot swimming through his brain right now. Like, if you – Think about like how complicated NFL defenses are compared to college defenses. And the Titans are among the more complex from a standpoint of like disguising coverages, throwing different looks at guys, you know, creeper simulated pressures, all of that stuff. They throw the kitchen sink at these guys. And Vrabel said the other day in, in the press conference that that's what they're doing. They're going to make it as hard as possible um, for their quarterbacks in camp so that hopefully it's easier when they, they get time to, to go into a game setting. And uh, Malik, I'm sure his brain is just swimming right now with trying to pick up the install, trying to learn his new uh, teammates and, and trying to do all that while he's facing an NFL defense for the first time. Uh, so it is uh, a lot to take on. It's not abnormal for him to struggle. And we just need to see what happens. Yeah, I, I preach patience with um... – Malik Willis, 
but excitement for the pretty much like for the other rookies. Like, yeah. feel free to fully invest your heart and soul into these four rookies, and that's Chig, Roger McCreary, uh, Traylon Burks, and uh, Kyle Phillips. Pour your soul into them. I, you are you will not be hurt. Trust me. And and I think the early returns are largely positive on MPF too. So yeah. uh, I think that that he seems to be um, at the very least a guy that that is in the mix uh, on, on the offensive line. So uh, that's that's pretty positive for a rookie tackle. And to end on to end on this, I want to hit on the defensive backs real quick and the fact that they got off to a rough start in the beginning of training camp. Put on the pads today. They seem to be rebounding good. You didn't hear really Caleb Farley and Christian Fulton's name mentioned. And typically that means that they did their job well enough that they weren't even targeted. Like yeah. if you don't hear, sometimes if you don't hear a player's name, that means that they're either A, not practicing or B, they are doing their job like they're supposed to do. And and again, a lot of the stuff, especially the stuff in shorts um, and t-shirts the first few days of camp, it's set up for the the receivers to win. Like it's less physical. It's, it's, it's kind of in their wheelhouse and one-on-ones. Like if you're watching the one-on-ones, like I know the Titans streamed um, uh, their one-on-one drills on Saturday um, from training camp. And if you're watching the stream and everything, you're going, man, these defensive backs can't stop anybody. That, that drill's designed to be like, 80 to 90 percent completion rate like if you're not completing a rate at a regular clip on seven like on one-on-one drills and even on seven on sevens then there's a problem offensively so i think uh you got to be a little bit patient with some of that stuff but yeah i'm really excited about mccreary everything you're hearing about him so far i you know frankly theo jackson too theo jackson has has gotten largely positive reviews out there and and from both players coaches I don't know if you and, know this he's from media. Nashville. I've heard he's a Overton Bobcat uh my alma mater so Yeah. Me and Theo go way back. The uh do you want to get to Deshaun Watson, Kyler Murray or AJ Brown? Take a spin on the wheel. Oh, Which one do you want to talk to first? Not AJ. Let's let's talk to uh Let's talk, let's talk to Deshaun first. Let's get that one out of the way. Well, I want to read the statement that the Cleveland Browns, the Haslam's just put out because it, oh, is a, it is a ridiculous statement. Throughout this process, Deshaun and his representatives have abided by the newly created and agreed upon process for the NFLPA and the NFL to defer to the objective Judge Sue L. Robinson to comprehensively review all information and make a fair decision. We respect Judge Robinson's decision and at the same time empathize and understand that there have been many individuals triggered throughout this process. So they decided to go with the uh, Republican word triggered throughout this process. We know Deshaun is remorseful that this situation has caused much heartache to many, and he will continue the work needed to show who he is on and off the field, and we will continue to support him. So obviously this all stems from Judge Sue L. Robinson basically uh, – saying that it doesn't matter that there was 24 women because there has been no but be, because that there has been no other uh player to have sexually assaulted 24 other women that she is confined by the CBA rules and the precedent set forth by previous judgments and suspensions that he's only allowed to be suspended for 6 games obviously utterly ridiculous and obviously the NFL has three days to appeal and the NFL will. And then guess what? It goes to Roger Goodell, 
who, by the way, wanted to suspend him indefinitely and technically still could, but I bet they'll settle for a year suspension. Yeah, it's... I'm not surprised, I guess, that this was the ruling. I kind of got the idea that this might be the case, especially when the NFLPA put out their statement last night of, you know, we ex- we're going to stand by whatever she says and we expect the NFL to do the same. I felt like that was them posturing that they were expecting a relatively light uh, suspension and they were put going ahead and getting ahead of it to put pressure on the NFL to not appeal it. Um, and I mean, look, Ben Roethlisberger got six games um, for his, you know, it's, I guess, similar-ish uh, scenario. But again, like one accuser, one incident, not whatever. 24, 28, close you to know, that. You yeah. know? And they, they only presented four or five cases. So, yeah. you know, in that case, I would take six times four or five, and he should be suspended into next year, obviously. Yeah. I think it's it's crazy in that sense that it just doesn't seem fair. And and then she put out this this part of her, her conclusion. Where oh she my argues, gosh, she contradicted herself all over it. Oh yeah, and and but the I think the thing that was like almost worse out of that whole thing to me was she says you know basically that the NFL was too late in a you know wanting to adjust their stance on uh, on on this issue. And that they that he didn't Deshaun Watson didn't have fair warning um, of like the consequences. I'm like, so what's what's the theory here that if they had been stronger on uh, on punishing Ben Roethlisberger or stronger on punishing whoever else was in these kinds of situations previously, that somehow Deshaun Watson wouldn't have been a creep in in soliciting massages from 60, 70 women over a 18 month period on Instagram? Like, is that do we think that that was what would have that would have changed his behavior? Like, and no, this has also been going on for a year and a half. I mean, did yeah. he just think? Do are you supposed to give a a warning to people that you know? Hey, we're investigating you for this. Your suspension could be for a long time. I mean, like, yeah. did, I mean, do you have to do that? I, I just didn't get that whole thing either. I, I think it's odd that she decided to pick and choose where she was going to deviate from the CBA and where she wasn't because she even says in the thing, well, it's not in the CBA that this is a a punishment. I am advising or enforcing that he's supposed to go see only team team approved and employed masseuses from now on. He can't do anything else. So why are you deviating from the CBA for that, but not deviating for these women for 24 cases especially since you go on to say that the NFL sufficiently proved that these women were emotionally dam- damaged by his actions and they did feel threatened and ha- were justified in their feelings of threatened of violence and all this stuff. So if you feel all that, then why not the, your actions should so- show that in my opinion. Yeah, it, it is. Um, I don't know. It, it is like a ball of, inconsistencies um from her and i think it's you know i understand what the nfl pa is trying to get at that they don't they don't want goodell being judge jury and executioner and i get that like i i do but i don't know this does not feel like the case to make that point even though 
I, I understand it's like the first case really that that has been following this procedure, which seems like a horrible timing for that decision to be for this case to be the one that they're breaking in this new procedure with. Like, yeah, that's that seems like a horrible like maybe they should have just said, look, we're going to do this, but we're starting with the next one. This one's too high profile, um, too, too messy, too big of a PR issue for us. We're not we're not going to put us put ourselves in this situation. Cause now the NFL, I mean, if they don't appeal, they are uh, at risk of, of, you know, just a, a huge PR backlash. And if they do, then the NFLPA is going to come after them saying, well, you said you agreed to this process and now you're going back on it and trying to, you know, take that power back away. Um, and they'll fight it all the way up to federal court, I'm sure. So and they'll probably it, lose. Because Probably, it's in because yeah. it's in the CBA that this this is the proper process if you disagree with arbitration. Arbitration does not mean that it's what is done is final. It's not binding. Yeah. That's just so. in general. Arbitration is not binding unless you want it, unless both sides agree to it. Yeah. Uh, Kyler Murray or AJ Brown? Oh Jesus! Let's get AJ Brown out of the way. I okay. want to save Kyler for life. Okay, so. Here is my open letter that I read on a football show, which will be the video of that will be posted later. But I wrote an open letter, Titans Twitter. And just for those that may not catch a football show, I want to read it for our listeners here on the football and other F-words. To whom it may concern. This is an open letter to anyone who's still clinging to A.J. Brown's every tweeted word. He is an idiot, a loser, and most notably a liar. Trust me, your life will be better if you focus on the players on your own team. While A.J. Brown is throwing temper tantrums at Darius Slay and starting locker room fights in Philly, Traylon Burks is out here doing spectacular touchdown grabs. He also is doing something more players should do, not tweet. While A.J. Brown is feuding with reporters in Philly, Kyle Phillips is breaking ankles every day. He has several ankles of defensive players mounted on his wall. While A.J. Brown is struggling to catch inaccurate passes from his BFF, Tannehill is throwing dimes to Chickaconquu, who has become a reliable target for Tannehill. While A.J. Brown is being horrible at contract math, Jeffrey Simmons is batting passes and practicing even without a new contract. While A.J. Brown is name-searching on Twitter, Roger McCreary is putting on a clinic, snatching up numerous pass breakups. A.J. Brown is incapable of moving on. He's a stage five clinger, but I encourage you all to not try to outdo him and continue to cling to him. He left you. He didn't want to be here unless he's being paid more than he is now. It's not about the fans for him. It's not about the city or the team. It's always about the green. Let him go. So as a vow and a show of unity, and I'm extending it to a football and other efforts, this will be the last time I will reference anything A.J. Brown tweet-related on this show. A.J. Brown has become Isaiah Wilson for me, a topic I have no interest in discussing and rehashing weekly. If A.J. Brown tweets are to be discussed further, my future co-host will talk the entire segment and I will remain silent until the next topic is up. <laughs> the only time I will talk A.J. Brown is if he grows wings, flies into space, commits a crime, or plays against the Titans in a regular season. I encourage you to do the same. Please take these words to heart, store them in your mind, and take action to block, mute, or just unfollow his account. Thank you. Yeah, I've, 
I have uh, unfollowed AJ. Um, I did see his uh, tweet because it, it immediately just gets blitzed into. Oh, the, and you get like stupid you know. fucking articles written about it. By, I, I can't even believe the Tennessean would do it. And no offense to Ben Arthur, I know he's employed and he's probably told to write that. But I just can't believe that. I I, I just hate that journal that that article kind of article did you see what former titans player aj brown said about the, he's still taking shots and blah blah blah, blah. it's a tweet i know it, it it and it's it's so petty on his on his part because i mean look you're an eagle now you got the contract you wanted you're where you want to be uh you're playing with your little buddy um go go just live your life you know forget the titans move on like and this is both sides need to just fucking grow up and move on like it it is unfortunate that things didn't work out here um i think almost all titans fans would have loved to have aj brown here for many more years to come and and that would have been that would have been great um it didn't work out it is what it is it's time to move on And, and like you said Traylon burks is is doing great things at camp right now. So let's let's talk about Traylon Burks, the Tennessee Titan who will be here for at least, you know, uh three more years plus probably another uh year from that. So let's talk about Traylon Burks and we'll we'll enjoy his his time here rather than constantly having to relitigate. Like I don't want to relitigate AJ Brown every single time a wide receiver gets a contract for the next like decade, I, I just, I can't do it. It at some point it doesn't matter anymore. And we are at that point, whether you, pay, that point. whether you would have paid AJ or not is irrelevant to me. You, you can argue that they should have paid AJ. You can argue that they shouldn't have paid AJ at the end of the day. They, they chose not to pay AJ. They do not value a wide receiver like him at that cost. Here in this offense, is that the right move? Is that the wrong move? I don't know, but we'll see, right? I mean, they, the the story is unwritten right now. But I am so sick of of I just sick of it. I'm so sick of AJ Brown. I, I don't want to really talk about it anymore. I don't really want to talk about the contracts. I don't want to do any more of that. You know, he 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 did not want to be here unless he was getting paid a shit ton of money. Now, whether you believe that he wanted to get paid more than then what he got paid in Philly to stay here, or if you want, if he would have taken the Philly number here, I, I that's okay. Whatever, that's your opinion. At the end of the day, he wanted more money to play here. He was not all about the two-tone blue, and that's that's essentially what it is. And they weren't willing to give it to him, and they weren't willing to drag this out. They wanted immediate returns because you don't know what it would have been if he would have waited. What if AJ Brown would have been the, instead of being the first wide receiver, he was the last wide receiver to get a contract because we already seen how he acted. If he then let's say DK Metcalf got $30 million signing bonus most forever. How do we know he wouldn't have asked for 32 million, you know, things like that. We don't know what it would have been, but it would have been a pain in the ass. And I am, I am very glad that, we got immediate returns now, and most of the play, rookie players that we talked about in the first segment are stem from that trade. Exactly. Let's let's talk about Kyler. Oh my gosh, Kyler's got COVID. He has a homework clause, and now apparently, I don't know if they've redone the contract yet to do it because you you got to redo the whole contract. But I think it's funny that in 
I think it was last year in a New York Times article, he says that he doesn't need it. And then he goes and puts on a little crybaby press conference and says, well, if you guys think that I just go out here without preparing, then you guys are giving me a lot of credit, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. Maybe that's why you're fading in the second half of the season every year is because you're not putting in the fucking effort and you're trying to go off your God-given talent. Yeah, and and yeah, that would kind of explain things because as people get more tape on you and they are watching it, uh, they're starting to figure things out, and maybe you're not. So um, yeah, and the funny thing is, the four hours thing is is really probably because it was four hours per week, and that might be like the most damning part of this whole thing because uh, that's such a low bar. Um, it, when you listen to Ryan Tannehill talk about. Uh, watching reps back from training camp practices of other quarterbacks to see what the receivers were doing on the backsides of routes and trying to understand the receiver's body language and things like that. Like he mentioned with Kyle Phillips, you know, saying I I saw him get seven yards of separation on this uh, rep with Logan Woodside. Like he's going back and watching all those reps on tape after practice and, and studying tape film uh, trying to understand his receivers better. I guarantee you Tannehill's probably spending more than four hours per day on film in training camp, much less film preparing for an opponent. Like, it is so crazy to me that they felt like they had to put that in there and that it was only four hours was the, <laughs> per week was the threshold. That is like... I mean, an unbelievably small amount. Like, and I know they, these guys do study film with their coaches, but all NFL players, or just about all NFL players, especially all NFL quarterbacks, do their own study. And a lot of them come in on, you know, because most of the time they'll have Mondays off and they'll come in on either Tuesday or Wednesday. Uh, you know, and, and usually Tuesday they'll be in the, the meeting rooms. And a lot of quarterbacks like to come in with some ideas already of how they want to attack the next opponent. So they've watched the previous opponent so that they can have those suggestions to kind of feed into the offense and not necessarily be relying on the coordinators and the coaches to dictate to them what they're going to do. It's crazy to me that he doesn't do that already. It's And look, I think it's obvious he's like wildly talented, but that's not good enough at the NFL level. And if he doesn't, you know, I, I think the best thing for the Cardinals would be that if this embarrasses him so much that he goes into like, I have to prove I have something to prove to mode and like actually start studying. And, and then maybe they will get $230 million of quarter, quarterback play out of him because there's no chance they're getting that out of him if he is not studying four hours of film on his own uh, per week. It's insane. It's, it- you know, it's in there for a reason. I don't care what he wants to say about it or anything and, and all that stuff. It's in there for a reason. It's the first time it's ever been in a contract. And you're trying you can't you can't fool us. We we yeah. know it's in there for a reason. And, and it's just I'm trying to take it back. Like the toothpaste is out of the tube. The embarrassment has yeah. happened. This is going to be a joke on every time Kyler Murray does anything for the rest of his career. People are gonna be in the comments talking about his homework. I mean, it's 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 ridiculous, and it couldn't have happened to a nicer guy. I, I think he's he's one of the the worst people ever. And now, listen, he's tied to them all the way to twenty twenty eight. The potential out is after the twenty twenty seven season. So, and then that's when the dead cap is out. Now, obviously, 
he could probably get out after 2026 because that's when it's 7.2 mil dead cap. But that is insane. It's just an insane thing to have. And I think it's, I think it says a lot about Kyler Murray and it says a lot about how the Cardinals organization love his talent, but hate his work ethic and leadership. And I think that's a big sign to a lot of players that if I'm a, if I'm a player and I'm choosing between, you know, coming to play with Kyler Murray or coming to play, uh, Oh, I guess Trevor Lawrence, even in Jacksonville, I think I would choose to go play with Trevor Lawrence over Kyler Murray because I just don't think this team really truly trusts their quarterback. And that's in a bad state, a bad state to be in. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it, I can't imagine forking over a $230 million contract to a yeah. guy that I couldn't trust to do four hours of film study every week without putting it in, in writing. Like, and, and, and the, <laughs> the part about without the TV on in the background or video oh, yeah. games was that almost was like, I feel like maybe they caught him doing that at some point And like, they had to put those specific things in or felt like they needed to. It's probably when there was zoom meetings on and like, he's probably like paying attention to something else and watching it. And then he forgot to mute himself. He's, he's got like call of duty on in the background yeah. as they're do, doing a zoom call. I could, I could totally see that. Uh, that will do it for us. Pimp your, your new uh, venture with Paul Karski. Yeah. Uh, so Wednesdays, uh, every Wednesday, come check out my, my piece at uh, paulkaharski.com. Uh, this first one going up this week will be uh, unlocked for everyone. So come check it out. If you like it, um, get a membership and, and stick around. Awesome. Well, for football and other F-words and for Mike Miracles, you can follow him on Twitter at Mike Miracles. And uh, his real name is Mike Kernan, not Mike Miracles. Uh, I'm Zach Lyons. You can follow me on Twitter at FWordsPod. This football and other F-words part of the 440 Network and BroadwaySportsMe.com. Go subscribe to BroadwaySportsMe.com. They got some good stuff coming down the pipeline, creative you know, content. They're going to have meetups planned you know, and all this kind of stuff. They're getting stuff ready for a big season for at Broadway Sports Media, probably the biggest and best yet. Uh, football and other efforts, of course, is going to have a new co-host here soon. Uh, no definitive date, but you'll know because it will be announced on Twitter like everything is. Uh, so stay tuned and turn on notifications on Twitter. Turn on your notifications for 440 Sports so you can get all the news with a football show. Big things happening over there with 440 Sports, but in particularly a football show Mondays and Thursdays, 1 p.m. Central Standard Time on YouTube, on Twitter, on Facebook Live, all the live platforms. For Mike, my name's Zach. This has been Football and Other Efforts, and you have just been effed. Broadway Sports Media Production.